to today's message for you. It's in Luke 7, 36. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes trying to explain what Jesus so eloquently said here and unpack this. In other words, I paraphrased it, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. That's not in the Bible, but I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said. Jesus said, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Paraphrasing, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. So here's the setup. Here's the setup. In verse 36, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And people were gathering, and a woman was there, drawn to the event, drawn to Jesus, and was behind Jesus, and broke open a bottle of perfume and started washing his feet, wiping his feet with her hair, kissing his feet, pouring perfume over them. And the Pharisee uh, who invited who, uh, Jesus to his house saw this scene and scoffed to himself, if this man were a true prophet, he would know that this is a sinner who's wiping his feet. And so Jesus, hearing his heart, turns to his disciple, Simon, and says, okay, Simon, I have something to tell you. And in Luke 7, 36, it goes on to say, uh, So he tells him this parable. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, how much was that? Uh, 50, 25 denarii was about a month's uh, worth of work. So whatever you make in a month, uh, 50 denarii is like two months of work. Okay? So one person owed 50 denarii, two months' work, and the other owed 500 denarii about a year and a half, over a year and a half worth of work, okay? Whatever your annual salary, 1.5 times that in the other two months. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So the moneylender forgave them, both of them. And he asked Simon, which of them do you think loved him more? Jesus uses an interesting word, love, okay? Which of them loved him more? I'm going to substitute that word, word with was, was thankful, thankful, or had gratitude. Which is one, which is one was uh, uh, the most uh, happy and great gratitude that his debt was forgiven? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt forgiven. Jesus said, you had judged correctly. Then he turned toward the women and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman has not, from the time I have entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume all over my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. There's that quote. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
The other guests began to say, who, who is this among us who forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So that is the parable Jesus taught. And I wasn't planning on reading that. I was planning on playing it with audio. So I'm not sure what slide we're on in my notes. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Okay. So today's message is essentially this. If you want to pay attention to this or write it down, this is the crux of the message of this parable. Unless we understand our sin and sin nature, we will not know how much we have been forgiven as evidenced by our gratitude. Unless we understand our sin and sin nature, we will not know how much we have been forgiven as evidenced by our gratitude. Now, talking about sin is a little hard pill for our modern generation to swallow. We live in a post, what's called a postmodern world, which means everything's relative, basically. We're brought up in a generation of kids that to criticize any behavior is not politically correct. Sin is not popular. Uh, yes, churches will talk about love and prosperity, right? Prosperity gospel. But sin is not on the bestseller list in, uh, in the world today. So today's crux of today's message opens up, is so important, I'm going to talk about this woman opens up the path to salvation. We're going to discuss that a little bit later. Definitely unpopular topic, topic. But Jesus, this sinful woman, um, opens up the topic of a path to salvation. So Jesus contrasts uh, the woman's gratitude and Simon's lack of gratitude. Now, it's not like he slammed Simon really hard, but he did contrast, right? He contrasted that, well, Simon, you know, you haven't been doing these things, all right? Um, and I don't think it was such a commentary on Simon's life and background, but uh, contrasting and illustrating the tremendous um, sense of gratitude this woman had for Jesus. Now, number one, she was aware of her sin, is what I gather from the parable. She was aware of her sin. Number two, she was aware of the magnitude of God's grace and forgiveness. Those two things. And then three, she showed a commensurate level of gratitude, which Jesus called an expression of love. She was aware of her sin. She was aware of the magnitude of Jesus' grace and forgiveness, and she showed a commensurate level of gratitude. And Jesus said, your faith has made uh, you well. 
um, go in peace. What was her faith? What was her faith? Well, she came to Jesus with all of her faults, who she was, as she were, no false pretense. Even though she knew the magnitude of Jesus' holiness, she had faith that God's grace and forgiveness was greater than God's holiness and his justice. In other words, Jesus was, her God was approachable. She, her God was approachable. You see, before that, she found no relief with the, in the synagogue or with the religious leaders. All she got from the religious leaders at that time or the religious institution was condemnation. Just as the Pharisee scoffed, if this man would know who this person was, she was a sinner. She was a sinner. But she had faith. What was her faith? It was a hope that, yes, she was a sinner. She was aware of that, but she had a hope. Her faith was a hope that God wasn't just a just and an angry God. Right? She, her faith and hope was that God was a good God, was a personal God that she hoped and believed in. She came to Jesus in faith and hope. She, she sought, she knocked, and she found a good, good God. It's very uh, like the uh, parable of the talents, the ones, the three people. Uh, servants who were given a sum of money. The one who hid uh, the sum of money and dug it in a hole kind of revealed his view of the master that I thought I knew you were a hard man so I uh, buried my sum of money in the ground and that was definitely not right and that uh, uh, was not the right attitude. So the rest of the time, like I said, I think this woman provides a path to salvation. And I've uh, listed it for you in five R's. Five R's. Number one, recognize our sin. Recognize our sin. This is something that... um, like I said, it's not popular, but to look at ourselves in sober judgment, the Apostle Paul says. Look at ourselves in sober judgment. Recognize our sin. Number two, realize that God is holy. God is holy. So number one, recognize our sin. It's almost as if it's on a horizontal level where we're comparing ourselves to others. But number two, realize that God is holy is comparing ourselves not to other people, but to God. Okay? Comparing ourselves to God. And that's very much like Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So number three, remember. And this is what the uh, central character of our story the sinful woman, she remembered that God is loving, merciful, and just. Not just an angry, righteous God that punishes evil, 
But just like Jonah, who's looking over Nineveh, who angrily says, God, I knew you are a God who is patient, slow to anger, and abounding in love. So remember, God is loving. God is merciful, as well as just. Okay, three. Next, receive. Receive God's mercy and grace to be sons and daughters of God. This is what the woman in our story did. God invites us to be sons and daughters of God. It reminds us of the uh, lost coin, lost sheep, and lost sons and daughters. God knows that we get lost sometimes. Like a sheep, we can go astray. Like a lost coin, we can get lost through no fault of our own, possibly lied to by evil and broken people and the great deceiver. The story of the prodigal son, we always have reference to. We actually haven't talked about that yet, but we will at some time. The prodigal son, the story of the two sons is such uh, a rich, rich story. It's often called the gospel within the gospel. The, pro- uh, the story of the lost coin, lost sheep, and the lost sons. The lost son wanted, came to a real- realization of his own sins, of going off to a far-off land. And so his idea was to come back, go back to his father's house as a slave. At least my father will take me back as a slave, a hired hand. Those are things that we called sins of commission, those things that we're aware of. But as we look at the story of the prodigal sons, two of them, the older son, um, possibly had sins of omission, failure to live up to God's commands of mercy, justice, and love. So, if we do not realize the first three of these steps, recognize our sin, recognize God's holiness, and understand that God is loving, a loving, merciful, as well as just God, we will not inherit the kingdom and the joy of this reunification with God as this woman in the story has, has uh, experience. So, what do we need to do? We simply need to receive God's mercy and God's grace to be sons and daughters. We need to humbly come to God and repent with a repentant heart. Um, I have a friend who I've been sharing some time with. He's a classmate. And he's going through some struggles, and I've been building a relationship with him because we lost touch over uh, a period of time, and I've been struggling of how to share the kingdom of God with him, right? (laughs) Is it simply the four spiritual laws? Is it, uh, it can be so complicated, right? And so God kind of led me to uh, these five things that I think what one needs to do to inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're a believer here, you can kind of evaluate if you've taken these steps and how it 
affects your own gratitude, response to God in worship, and how you live your life from week to week. If you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure if you've inherited the kingdom of God, these are kind of the steps that one needs to take. Uh, the Bible can get quite complicated in all its teaching and different uh, traditions, different denominations uh, that you can go to, and the different things that people emphasize. But the kingdom of God, like I said, is something that is in the future that we are to work toward, and it is something that we could possess here today every day, simply by, I don't even say simply, but <laughs> by recognizing these five R's, and again, that is to recognize our sin nature. Number two, uh, realize God's holiness. Remember that God is a loving, merciful God, as well as just. And then to receive God's mercy, God's grace, and then we're invited to become sons and daughters of God. And our response, as Jesus has mentioned here, as evidenced by this woman's gratitude, her many, she knows her many sins are forgiven, and she knows that she has an encountered a loving and merciful God.
Conversely, you know, I'm not going to say this like uh, one of the Pharisees in the Bible, you know, the, those sinners, you sinners. Because um, who are these people? These are our brothers and sisters, our cousins, our neighbors. And, you know, names and faces are rising to my mind as I'm saying this, and I'm sure you are as well. Those people that you care about, that you want, to inherit, to introduce to the kingdom of God, to experience God's love, to experience God's grace. However, conversely, those who believe in the deceiver's lies that show little gratitude or no gratitude toward God, no reason to come and worship God, they have not recognized the extent of their sin. They have not realized that God is a just God who is going to judge the world. And they have not realized that God is an approachable God. That is, God is a loving God who wants to receive and forgive us. So this is what I wanted to share with you today and the joy and gratitude that this woman had. So in Jesus' words... All the words that I've used to try and unpack this, Jesus said so uh, in one little sentence, whoever has been forgiven little will love little. In other words, they'll have little added gratitude toward God. But whoever has forgiven, been forgiven much, will love much and have gratitude toward God. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for your love and mercy as we contemplate as we have a humble heart toward you God realizing that you are the creator we are your creation we see moral morality all around us and we believe God that you are a just God that you will judge the world and hearts justly that you are faithful and just to um, judge the world. God, as we recognize our relationship to you, we realize, God, that we fall short of your glory. And it's not just one or two or five sins that we can recall. In relation to you, God, like uh, King David said, it's his whole nature. It's not just one or two sins, but it's this whole nature compared to you, God, that we are a sinful race and you're a holy God. God, we realize that you are holy and we come to you in this way and we remember, we recall, God, that you are a loving and merciful God. Your, your love overshadows even your sense of justice for our lives and that you are merciful. You have given your only son. Scripture says, the Apostle John says, for God, for you so loved us that you gave your only son that whoever believes in us shall not perish but have eternal life. God, we thank you that we received your love and mercy 
It wasn't just a one-time thing in the past, but we do so every day, God. As you uh, create a greater awareness of who we are with sober judgment, and we realize more and more how holy you are. We realize with gratitude how your grace and mercy has restored our souls to be sons and daughters of you. So we thank you, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen.